everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm the host of this little song and dance. Uh, Patrick Morrow is the head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook. And Patrick, the uh, NBA playoffs are now fully into the second round. Over the weekend, uh, D- Dallas had a chance to upset the Clippers, and that didn't happen. That was a great series, uh, even though Game 7 kind of petered out. Um, there's this idea that you finally are now getting out the riffraff and that includes the Los Angeles Lakers. How much for, let's do the Lakers first. How much of a, of an issue for the sports book, considering the fact that weren't they preseason favorites? They, they absolutely were Seth. And uh, it, it's funny to think of the Lakers as the riffraff, the LeBron James, Anthony Davis led Lakers granted injuries, uh, you know, did hurt them uh, in that series against the Suns. But that was actually our biggest liability at Bovada going into the playoffs was the L.A. Lakers winning it all. So we are uh, we are thrilled to uh, bid them happy trails. Uh, thank you to the Suns. Uh, Suns currently now up to plus 750 now, a very small liability on a team like that. But, yeah, they already did the Lord's work for us uh, getting out uh, a team like the Lakers. Again, preseason faves and uh, co-faves hitting, uh, leading into the playoffs. So that was pretty massive for us. And again, uh, you know, I've had to say this a couple times, but huge mea culpa on my part. I really poo-pooed the first round of the NBA playoffs. They were pretty awesome. They were really, really good, compelling back and forth basketball. And it's nice to see, uh, you know, some teams like the Utah Jazz, like the Suns uh, playing really meaningful basketball, getting outside of these traditional powers. Uh, but the Nets are the team to beat right now. They, they've showed why, you know, they got that depth in the offseason. James Harden playing with the hamstring injury right now. They are not missing any beats. And that is why the Nets currently your plus 110 favorites at Bavada. You know, the one aspect of this whole thing that you have to recognize uh, with the NBA is I thought Milwaukee, you know, and, and again, you know, this is our issue with a podcast on the NBA because, you know, who knows? Milwaukee could win games three and four by the time people are listening to this. So you're going, hey, what the hell do you guys know? Well, listen, you know, we're releasing this on a Wednesday and let's see how, how this goes. What I've been uh, surprised at is that I thought Milwaukee would put up more of a fight. I'm not saying I'm surprised Brooklyn has won. It's just Brooklyn, and they're without James Harden. I, they, they're they're not even at full strength, and they're wiping the floor with with their opponents. You know what? We're really seeing uh, Kevin Durant at his absolute peak right now, and I was seeing him cross over Giannis the other night, and you know, taking some long shots over. And Kevin Durant is maybe one of Less than the fingers I have on my head. He's he's a he's a couple players in the league can cross over Giannis like that and shoot over him at that seven foot length that he has. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 really really tough. Uh, you know, no other team probably matches up so problematically for the Bucks as a team like the Nets and a shooter like Kevin Durant. It, it's incredible basketball to watch. And as someone who's always been a Durant fan, just from the purity of his game, maybe so not maybe not so much uh, how he composes himself on social media. But uh, in terms of just pure scoring talent, he's one of the most beautiful players to watch. Uh, and I think that's why the Bucs are having so much trouble. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, it's still early in the series. And again, uh, you know, it's very tricky to navigate this in podcast release world. But, uh, you know, I'm putting it out there. I don't think the Bucs come back. I think the Nets probably take this in five. Somebody listens to this podcast and the Bucs have won in seven games. They're like, oh, Patrick Morrow, who do you know? I listen to you for advice. Um, That's okay. At me at the Pat Morrow on Twitter. Uh, get get in line. Uh, the complaint line is always. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure it is. 
and then there's Trey Young, uh, who has really immersed himself in the fandom. This is why the NBA is what the NBA is. You know, a star like that becomes a household name instantly. And now people look at him differently. Uh, Damian Lillard, that's the other one. People are looking at him differently. The playoffs are a showcase for this talent. But what's going to happen is now the talk is, where's Damian Lillard, Dame Lillard going to go as opposed to who's going to help you know make the Blazers great? It He's as good as gone. And Trey Young's not long for Atlanta, at least in the fans' mind. Yeah, it's uh, gosh. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, these NBA playoffs, uh, especially for a team like the Hawks, who weren't really on anyone's radar for most of the season. A lot of teams in the East, outside of the Bucks, Sixers, and uh, the Brooklyn Nets, really weren't on anyone's radar, and that would include mine. You know, a guy like Trey Young having that kind of performance, but also that kind of swagger behind his performance a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he's a mean player out there. He's a tough player. He's, he's a take no shit kind of player. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a Brad Marchand in that. Uh, you don't like him if you're playing against him, but you love him if he's on your team kind of thing. And, you know, I, NBA does such a great job of building up and creating these kind of star players out of – not out of nowhere. I mean, we know who Trey Young was at Oklahoma. We know who he is in the league. But he wasn't really uh, on anyone's star radar, I would think, uh, prior to his first-round performance. I think that's kind of cool uh, for the city of Atlanta. You know, hey, you know, with the Knicks, they had a pretty okay year. Um ultimately ended up doing Knicks things immediately once they got to the playoffs. But, uh, you know, I, do I think that's probably it for Atlanta and Trey? Yeah, you know, they're, they're 28 to 1 right now. They're going to be in tough going forward. Uh, in, in terms of Portland and the changes they've made there and the changes that will continue to be made there uh, once Dame does leave, if he does, uh, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to be successful and win in the NBA uh, when all the other teams are so good and there's so many star driven teams like the nets like the lakers like the clippers to an extent the 76ers and the bucks i mean if, if you're portland i don't know who you're bringing in to coach that team now that's going to bring them over the hump it's just really really hard and i think you know we saw how well portland did in the bubble last year uh they, they were a good team they were on the cusp of you know taking that next step as well i i look at what happened to them as a setback but i i get it this is a results driven league much like so many of these north american sports are there's not a lot of patience I don't know that they bring anyone else into Portland that makes them better than what they are right now. I think it was an overreaction to clean house, but uh, you know, maybe that's why I'm on this side of the counter. <laughs> well, it should be quite a show uh, going forward in the NBA playoffs. And uh, again, we'll be taking uh, a, a, a good glance and seeing what, what happens. What, what I'd love ideally in a perfect world is uh, Atlanta gets better. Uh, the Knicks get better just in the East. And then so Brooklyn is a superpower this year, but the next year they have three, four, five challengers. Are we going to see that next year? We're not. And that's what annoys me is that it, there's only the league is so top heavy. There can only be two, maybe three really great teams a year. And as good as the Utah Jazz are, and let's just not not discount them. They're very, very good. If the Utah Jazz take the next step, then, you know, you saw the Lakers last year. The Lakers took that step. They have LeBron James. They dropped off a little bit of injury. They dropped off. And it's just, it's something about the NBA where you can't sustain anything. And if you're lucky that you're the great team, that's why the Nets made the James Harden trade. Because that's why they made the Blake Griffin acquisition. They're like, wait a minute. 
this is our shot. This is our green, green, green chair. Like this is it. This is the, the, the anything less than a championship is bust for them. And they got there because not building a franchise the way baseball teams do or hockey teams do, or even football teams do. It's they. Kevin Durant said, you know what? I like what the Nets are doing. I'm coming. And then he brought Kyrie Irving. And then they had the chance. James Harden was unhappy and everybody knew it. What'd they do? They got James Harden. That's how you build in the NBA. LeBron James wants to go back to Cleveland. They won. Mm -hmm. That's that's what happened. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not nearly as dramatic as it looks. And that's why what I was saying by the riffraff is you're at this point now where at least in every playoff series, it's not a sure thing. And that's where I thought Milwaukee would be better. Yeah. And there's really no other sport, uh, at least in the North American landscape where you can just flip the switch year to year and be a non-contender and then be right there in the mix of it. And that, that creates uh, a host of unique problems for these front office GMs. Uh, how do you build for the future? Well, no, I mean, you're seeing a lot of these players more and more taking the shorter contracts. LeBron was the first to do it and go year to year with player options. How do you build for the future? You can't, you know, think of these five-year, 10-year plans. Whenever you see that opportunity, you have to seize it and go for it. And, you know, the Nets have done it. You know, the Raptors did that one year with Kawhi where we knew that, uh, I say we as if uh, I had any hand in uh, the decision-making, but I'm a fan of the Raptors. But we knew that was our shot and that after that season, uh, you know, we were going to be an also ran after that. And that's kind of how you do it at the NBA. Yeah. They, they, They said it the night they won. Masai Ujiri said it the night they won. He's like, this was our window. We got, we we're we're so glad that when we had the brass ring, we, we claimed it. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's, uh, you know, it's exciting because you can, you can, you can, you can turn it around real, real quick, but it's also, if you're not a team that can attract players or front office that get the, you're, you're screwed. Uh, you know, the NHL, you can be methodical NFL. You have to put 52 players that work well together. There's There's a way. NBA, it's it's tough. If you can't attract those players, uh, you know you're toast. And, it, and if you're great today, you might be a has been tomorrow. It's uh, it's it's exciting, but it's uh, it's very difficult to try and plan for the future in today's NBA. And even in the even the Cleveland Browns are good this year, right? The Cleveland Browns are good this year. The Denver Broncos are not. Five years ago, you flip flop that. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, you flip flop that. Like that's that's all it is. Is everything cyclical? But in the NBA, it's the method on how you build is it's it's more recruiting than college sports because you gotta you gotta schmooze. You you have to you have to figure a, a, a way. Um, speaking of uh, Bavada Sportsbook, let's uh, get into uh, uh, John Ramya uh, this past weekend in Dublin, Ohio. Uh, he's leading a tournament, and everybody's uh, you know putting their, their, their shekels on there because don't forget golf. You can not only bet uh, pre-tournament, but after each round and John Rama is your leader. And then he tests positive for COVID. Then it was revealed that uh, more than half of the PGA is not vaccinated. I, please folks get vaccinated. I don't understand this. Uh, what happened at Bavada? And that was a tough one for us. So I, I'll, I'll give you the, the idea of what it was like for us on Saturday when this was all occurring. I'm, I was uh, out on the town. I came back. I sit in front of my computer, uh, you know, 
throughout the day, I'm looking at this John Rom hole in one, John Rom, you know, minus six or something like that on the back nine, just a hell of a round. He, he's absolutely crushing it. Uh, so, you know, we're in our mind, we're pricing up our second place markets because he is such a runaway favorite at this point, something like minus 10,000. You have to risk 10,000 bucks just to win $100 profit on Rom. Uh, it, it was his tournament. And I mean, you look at the final scores and uh, they were still five shots off what his score was when he had to withdraw. He was doing that well. Uh, so what we did, and to clarify our rules at Bavada, uh, similar to uh, the Naomi Osaka situation in the French Open, uh, once a competitor starts and tees off or hits that first ball or takes that first pitch, regardless of the sport, there is action on that bet, which means all bets are in. Uh, again, the uniqueness of the scenario, and I feel we're seeing this a lot the last 16, 17 well, months. Yeah, because but of COVID, right. A, co a COVID withdrawal like this, um, you know, something that, you know, again, like you said, get vaccinated. Uh, you know, this It seemed like something that out of his control to some degree. I had read that he had gotten his second shot or his first shot recently. So it looks like he's kind of down that path. It, it's, it's brutal. It's a very unique scenario. So what we did at Pavada is uh, instead of grading those John Rom bets as losses, we actually uh, avoided them as players and then paid out the potential win as bonuses. So if you did bet on John uh, Rom to win the tournament, you did get your money back. And then we threw you a little extra cash on the side as well. Did, uh, that was, did all sports books do that? Or just is that a Bavada special? Uh, that one was specific to us. I think some other sports books, you know, might have just in the voids. Uh, some might have uh, done some different things, but that, that was our move. And looking That's at uh, cool. competitors, uh, yeah, it was, you know, we, we were like, no, you make, uh, you look, you, you're, you're a business. So you're not, you, you, you can't hide your delight when the Lakers are eliminated. But when something crazy like that happens, you do the right thing. That's great. Yeah. And, and it's, it encourages people to bet with you. It, well, and, and that's part of it as well. I mean, there was a lot of money bet on Rom. Like we, we could have uh, very easily just said, oh, great day for us. That worked out really well. But I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we like to take our wins because we did our job right and handicap something uh, properly. And, you know, we embraced the variance and the luck fell on our side more often than it doesn't. Uh, in, in this scenario, you know, John Rom and the people backing him all day were backing on backing somebody who was seemingly, you know, unaffected by this. Uh, of course, it is, of course, very, very serious. And I understand the rules, why he had to withdraw. But uh, yeah, we, we did feel that players that were if they were going to get a loss on that, they were certainly going to be receiving the short end of the stick. So that's where I made them. Again, with COVID these last 17 months, we've had to be creative in trying to find these player friendly settlements. It, when they occur, uh, I, I'm hoping that uh, this time next year, we're not talking about COVID friendly settlements and other nonsense. And we're back to, you know, full venues and all these games and events, uh, you, you know, taking place with the rules and the previous normalcy to them that we used to enjoy. <laughs> yes, uh, certainly. Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are also going on right now. Uh, the Canada version of it is uh, coming to a close uh, or came to a close. The Montreal Canadiens are going to be playing an American team. How about that? And uh, isn't it funny how the NHL doesn't have to worry about the delay with the Vancouver Canucks because they swept. So now they just have a few days off uh, while the rest of the uh, NHL figures out their playoffs. And again, we're releasing this on a Wednesday. So there's a chance that certain games uh, are, happen and certain teams are eliminated. But let's talk for a second about Montreal. The thing that I've been screaming about all season long is because these conferences haven't played each other, you don't know what the matchup will be. 
So you don't know. I I think it's incredibly hard to find a favorite because it's they, they haven't been on the same ice in over a year. And I, I just think that changes the playing field. Yeah, it's so this is tough uh, as a Leafs fan watching the Canadians uh, sweep the Winnipeg Jets and four and just realize I wasn't even I know about that part. I know, I know, but I just uh, segueing into this, it just it really feels like we lost our opportunity this year. So got to get that out of the way. But looking at the Montreal Canadiens, uh, it, it's great that out of all the Canadian teams, they were the first one to start welcoming fans back into the building, trying to mirror a little bit of that normalcy that we've seen in U.S. games so far. Uh, it is interesting that they will uh, get a bit of a rest now heading into uh, their upcoming series against either the Avalanche or the Vegas Knights. And, uh, you know, out of, out of all the Canadian teams that could have made it, you know, they weren't the most talented on paper. I wasn't uh, really big on the North Division overall and the talent in there. Our analytics have, uh, you know, Colorado and Vegas, whoever gets through to be night and day better than the Montreal Canadiens in that matchup. Having said that, it's the playoffs and the Canadians have Carey Price. And, you know, that matters. We've seen this uh, in too many playoffs to count that a team with a hot goalie that can play tight they can play high-variance hockey. They played really good counterattack hockey against the Leafs. The Jets, uh, they didn't have to play as much counterattack. They even outshot them in a couple of those games. So th- they can hang. You just you get to this part of the year, they just got to win eight games. They can do it. Uh, would not surprise me. They're all the way down to 9-1 to one, uh, to win the Stanley Cup. They were 55-1 to one heading into the playoffs. Again, we weren't high on this Montreal Canadiens team. And again, the Avalanche, they will be something like a minus 200 or no, they'll be closer to about a minus 250 minus 300 favorite against the Habs if they were to uh, meet up. But I'm telling you, the most compelling matchup to me will be if the Habs come to Montreal wearing those Quebec Nordique jerseys and the premier of Quebec has put that out there that he'd like to see it. For those listening in America, the premier is kind of like the governor of uh, a province up here or a state. So he speaks with the authority of the entire Quebecois nation when asking that the abs show up in an abs uh, in a Nordique jersey. And I personally and it's would not just a Nordique jersey. It's the officially licensed 21 seat, you know, 2021 NHL re- reverse retro jersey that the Avalanche used when they played in that outdoor classic in Lake Tahoe. So it, the, the jersey exists. It's, this is not like, you know, go back into the closet and resurrect your old uniforms. Like, don't wear the old Quebec Nordiques jerseys. Wear this, this hybrid jersey now if you're saying that the government wants it i can't imagine a fan wants that i i i I find that would break my heart if if you had a scenario where uh, my team's rumored to have moved a bunch okay um i'm a new jersey devils fan right and Mm -hmm. in 1995 when they won their first cup they were rumored to be going to nashville let's hypothetically say that they're in Nashville and the Nashville is the, you know, they're not the predators. They're the Nashville, whatever they, they, they became. And mm-hmm. they played the New York Rangers in the Stanley cup final. And they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to wear New Jersey devils uniforms. And I would be like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. You <laughs> took my team. Like, no, I, I would be brokenhearted. If the hurricanes did it with the Hartford whalers, I would be, angry as a fan i can't imagine the people of quebec not the governor or the, the what, what's he called the prime minister no the the premier the premier, the premier is the, uh, premier. the provincial leaders the premier I, 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 all due respect to him 
I, I, I can't imagine the 25 year old fan that was a kid when they left all of a sudden is going to be like, Oh yeah, put on, put those jerseys on. Cause we're not bitter that we lost our team. Yeah. Oh, no, see, I, I, can't, I, I can't go there. And I, I think this is where maybe I just spend far too much time online where there's far less sensitivity to issues like this and, you know, troll culture reigns supreme. And I just think it would be very funny. But also an opportunity for the Montreal Canadiens to unite the rest of the province against the dastardly Colorado Avalanche that took their Nordiques away. See, that's uh, enough. I, 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 but but that, that's enough. What, what I'm saying is that, see, that reminds, okay, here's another parallel. Let's say the NBA is rumored to be expanding, right? In the next five years, there's a rumor that the NBA is going to expand. And if that happens, Seattle's getting a team, right? There's no secret. Seattle's getting a team. They want to name them the Supersonics. They mm-hmm. want their colors back. Like they, they, the people of Seattle want the wrong righted. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If the Oklahoma City Thunder come to town, they will be booed out of you thought the houston astros got it bad (laughs) you will like vitriol i've told you my kevin durant story right i told you that story about how i made an ass of myself i don't think so oh my god so i'm a former seattle supersonics employee the the move that the sonics made to move to oklahoma city is one of the great crimes in american sports there Mm -hmm. is a great documentary out called sonics gate and it's a fantastic documentary. It's about all the circumstances that led to the Supersonics moving to Oklahoma City. Because of that documentary and because I had friends that lost their jobs, I refused to, to watch the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm. As a matter of fact, when the one year I worked for the New Jersey Nets and the Oklahoma City Thunder came to town and I was nauseous. I, I, I was I was I was I was angry just watching their existence. Kevin Durant was a Seattle Supersonics rookie. Just note that. And when Seattle, you know, got that team, like they're not going to be satisfied just getting like the Seattle, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, kittens or you know, you know what I mean. Like they they don't want to <laughs> they don't want a new team. They want their team back. Much like the Cleveland Browns. When the Cleveland Browns left to become the Baltimore Ravens, it was one of the great crimes. And what I'm just saying is this retro stuff is okay, but you have to realize that for the city that lost the team, the, the, the wound is so great. I think it's worse than any defeat on a field. And I f- empathize this season with the people of Hartford, and the people of Quebec in saying they were marketing your team. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I think it's a sin. It's, it's awful what, what happened. And, and if I, I would love, maybe you could, you could find someone that speaks English in Quebec. Cause I know it's mostly French speaking uh, place, <laughs> but find somebody in Quebec that, that says that I was a, I was a Nordiques fan and I want to see that team wear my godforsaken colors on <laughs> in, in a Stanley Cup final. I, I don't know. I, I, I understand everything you're saying. And you know what? The NHL would do smart because they'd raise this conversation. The people who would be offended are Quebec. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you credit. You, you might have swayed me a little bit. And I, I think sometimes uh, I get lost a little bit in just the pure numbers, but also what I think is funny and not, uh, you know, the human impact of, uh, you know, all these cities, all these jobs lost. Uh, and, you know, and it's tough. And, you know, and gosh, and Quebec is certainly not unique in this, uh, but, you know, gosh, they've been hit twice with the Nordiques and with the Montreal Expos in years past, you know, yeah, because I, I will tell you this, uh, you know, <laughs> it's when the Washington Nationals were making their run, you could ask people uh, all over Quebec, uh, or are you rooting for the Nationals in the World Series? And uh, they would, uh, well, like, let's, just, no. let, let's, let, let's just say they wouldn't be shy sharing a little bit of French with you. Right. Yeah, you say, you just say, hell no, like, like, no way. And relocation, look, I, relocation to me is the biggest passion play in sports that doesn't get a lot of press because if you think about relocation throughout history the baltimore colts moving to indianapolis broke the people's in baltimore's fans hearts but what the nfl has done a pretty good job on save st louis mm. but they try they try to re, uh, 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 repair damage that had been done the nba even uh the los angeles lakers were the minneapolis lakers when they expanded, when the NBA expanded, they said Minneapolis has to get a team mm -hmm. and it's the right thing to do, which is why I don't think it's as bad when the Dallas stars honor the Minnesota North stars, because the Minnesota fan can say, yeah, you got our North stars. We have better. We're look at our beautiful arena. We we're, we're good. And that hasn't happened in Quebec and it's not going to because Quebec is a small province compared mm -hmm. to these big cities. And if Canada is getting another team, it's either going to be in Hamilton or it'll be in another team in Toronto. Yeah. They, they've, gosh, they've been trying to get the Toronto project to work for the longest time, but the Leafs aren't doing any favors there because uh, they're leaning on anybody. No, that's they're fighting to, it as uh, much as they can. Right. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, the Toronto market really is the only place that can support a second team like that and, and comfortably support a second team, I should say. I mean, the prices at the ACC or no, it's, it used to be the ACC Scotiabank place. Now I have to keep up with my naming rights. Uh, but yeah, the, the prices at uh, the Scotiabank place when one could attend the game there at simpler times were just absolutely obscene. And uh, it'd be nice if they had to actually compete for that corporate money in Toronto. That's sprinkled across the Raptors, the Blue Jays, and the Leafs with uh, still way too much uh, to go around. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because I, you know, I, I love the Quebec Nordiques uh, for my time as a youth watching them. A lot of great players there. And then, of, of course, it was just so brutal to see them leave and then the Avalanche be so good right away. Right, so of course. But so they were an right expansion away. team. They were a good team that was building. And then they mm -hmm. became great, you know, that first year. You know, and, and I'll end on this note. Uh, I worked for the Avalanche uh, for two seasons, uh, but my the season uh, that I got there, they had just won the cup. So I was in college when they won the Stanley Cup, but I was a senior. Mm -hmm. And I was actually working in the American Hockey League with the Syracuse Crunch. And we go out there and there's a welcome home dinner. And as the new pre and post game host, I had to go uh, to this dinner. And everyone at the dinner got to take a picture with the Stanley Cup. And so I have a picture with the Stanley Cup and people will see that picture and they'll go, you covered the Stanley Cup final? No, no. I covered the season right after that, but they had it. <laughs> and who wouldn't take a picture with it? I've, uh, I, I've got one that uh, I might have to tweet out, but I was 10 years old and uh, back in Toronto, uh, a friend of my dad's, he was doing the contracting at the Hockey Hall of Fame. They were rebuilding the case for where they uh -huh. hold the cup. So 
one night, my dad got a call at 10 o'clock at night when me and my brother and sister were all in bed. It's like, if you guys want a picture with the cup, you know, get over to our office. So this 10-year-old Pat Morrow lifting the Stanley Cup and you That's can see awesome. the little veins starting to go in the head. And that was oh, the closest I ever got, but closer than a lot of Canadians. And for sure. a lot of Canadians, that is the Holy Grail. So I, I, I got there. Totally. It, it, it totally is. It's an amazing trophy. And I, 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 you don't, you did everything right. I, I would do the same thing, but the whole thing with relocation, you know, that's, we could go on for hours and hours and hours, but uh, nonetheless, great job by Bovada Sportsbook on John Rahm and uh, come back next week. We'll have more of the Bovada at odds podcast with Patrick and myself next week. Take care folks.